our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Timothy 3, uh, verses 8 through 13. It's on page 1178 in the Black Pew Bibles. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. If you would read through books and study through books, we are um, studying through this book, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. um, We have have an outreach here at our church. It's one of the bigger outreaches we do all year. It's a wildlife supper, and it originally kind of started out for men, and now it's kind of evolved, and um, everybody comes. But it's the first Saturday in March, and we it's a wild game supper, and we have uh, different ones, people from our church, people from friends of ours that come and help us cook, and the food is incredible. We have tons of food, and it's always a, a really a, one of the highlights of our year. And we got started on the wildlife supper early this year as Miss Terry Baber uh, killed this 10-point buck on Beaver Road uh, this week. And uh, we're going to have a kind of a contest to see who killed the biggest deer. And my bet's on you, Miss Terry. Uh, so you got something, Mr. Bobby, there's your competition right there, buddy. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty, uh, pretty big deer. It's in velvet, uh, but she... Uh, one shot is all it took. She hit it with her, uh, with her Subaru, and that sucker went down without, it didn't even, look, it didn't even kick. It didn't even kick. It just hit it, and it was dead, but uh, unfortunately tore her car up, but we did, uh, we got one down uh, for sure. So anyway, I said, you know, that's why we have insurance right there, right, here in West Tennessee. But First um, Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13 Stephen Cole, he's a pastor in Arizona, he tells the story of a farmer who had a team of horses in which one horse consistently worked harder than all the others. The farmer said, they're all willing horses. The one, the one is willing to pull and the rest are willing to let him. Sadly, that's often how it is in the church, isn't it? Everybody's willing. Some are willing to work. And the rest are willing to let them. And that's true everywhere, right? Not just at church, but in your, in your business, in your corporation, in your office. Uh, we see that oftentimes. And Paul here, he's urged Timothy as his representative there in Ephesus. Paul has gone to Macedonia. He's left Timothy there in Ephesus to take care of some things and, and help teach the church, right? Because there's false teachers there in Ephesus that they misunderstood the gospel. And they misused the law. Among those who had shipwrecked their faith were Hymenaeus and Alexander. Paul goes on to instruct Timothy, prayer should be a big part of the church's life. We should pray for those in authority, with the result being that the gospel is shared and lost or saved. 
Paul instructs Timothy on the organization of the church, what's, a, what's our roles, what's a woman's role in the church. They're encouraged to focus on the, the inner woman much more than the outer appearance. A woman who pleases the Lord is a modest woman, right? She dresses modestly. She handles herself in a modest way. She doesn't look to have a position of authority over men that are uh, such as teaching and preaching, right? The reason for that, he, Paul gives us, is because of the created order and because of the, the order in which mankind fell in the garden. We looked last week and looked at male roles, the teaching and preaching in a worship setting like we have here is for a, a man, a pastor, but not everybody can pastor. Not everybody can be an elder or an overseer. They have to meet qualifications given to us in Scripture. Integrity, fidelity to one's wife, if he has one. He has to be stable, not worldly, with a good track record for shepherding his own family. He should be looking to replace himself, right, in discipleship through the, through the handling of the Word of God. And today we are looking at deacons, the second role or office of the church. So we look at a deacon, his role, and the qualifications of the office, verses 8 through 12. Well, what, what is a deacon? The, the word deacon just means servant. And you might say, well, aren't we all supposed to be servants? And the, the answer is yes, we're all supposed to serve in the church. Remember, we looked at the qualifications for a, a pastor, and as was said in small group this morning, Hunter taught us that, we all should try to attain and have these qualifications. Oh, that's, just, that's for the pastor. He's supposed to be faithful to his wife. He's supposed to be good to his family. He's supposed to be a man of integrity. He's supposed to have a, a good reputation with those outside the church. No, that's something that we all should desire for each and every one of our lives, right? And we talked about how, as if we look out in the congregation, there's a lot of us here who meet those qualifications, but there's not a lot of us here who desire, who want to be a pastor. Same is true for a deacon. We have these qualifications set for us for the office of a deacon. There may be different ones in the church that have meet those qualifications, but maybe don't desire that. But a deacon is a servant. Jesus had gathered his disciples together to celebrate the Passover. And he had sent his disciples ahead to get the room ready, and he got there uh, all, all assembled together. They're going to celebrate this. And usually there's a servant, somebody, the host would provide a servant who would go around and wash everyone's feet. There were sandals, it's dirty roads. He washed the feet. Well, there's no servant there. So what did Jesus do? He took off his outer garment. He took up a towel and tied around his waist, and he got after it and washed the disciples' feet. John chapter 13, Jesus says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? It's really good, right? He's got them all there, and he's washing their feet. And Peter, of course, had reservations about that, you know. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What has Jesus done? Right before he's arrested, this is one of the last things he does for his disciples, right? He washes their feet and says, as I've done for you, emulate this example. So as everyone in the church, all of us believers, we're to be servants, right? Yeah, of course. We're to follow in Jesus' example. In fact, when we decide to follow Jesus, it's not an easy thing. That's why it's such a miraculous thing where the Lord regenerates our hearts and gives us a desire to obey him. Because he, he calls us to do menial, ridiculous things in the world's eyes. To serve one another, humble ourselves to one another. Sacrifice for the benefit of others. But when we decide to follow Jesus, it's a road of servanthood. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, and not be a servant is it's, it's oxymoronic, contradictory. In fact, the Bible teaches us that service is a spiritual gift that some have. Not all have it, but it's a spiritual gift that some have. Paul, he's teaching the Corinthians about the body being made up of, it's one body, but it's many parts. We have the ear, we have the eyes, we have the nose, right? We have these different parts. They all have different functions. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 and 28, Now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Notice that helping. Yeah, the gift of helps, the gift of service. Paul, again, in Romans chapter 12, listing off spiritual gifts, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service, there it is, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Go back to the slide before that verse 7, if service in our serving. Yeah, there's a spiritual gift. Some people have the gift of service. There was a, and we all should serve. We all should serve. We should serve the church. We should serve one another. There's a man who visited a tiny country general store. You know those stores you go into and they'd, you could get a sandwich for lunch. You know, the, you know some of those stores you grew up. I know a pant store was a, right on Beaver Road. I grew up going that road. I hear heads are nodding. Yeah, you know, these little general stores. You go into them, you could, they just all had the same smell, you know. Um, there was one of these stores, and the owner um, had a young man working for him named Jake. And Jake was not very um, enthusiastic about working. He was pretty lazy, and one day... Um, a customer noticed that Jake wasn't around, and he asked the owner, where's Jake? Oh, Jake retired, the owner said. Retired, huh? What are you going to do to fill his vacancy? And the owner looked at this customer and said, Jake didn't leave a vacancy. I think the same thing could probably be said of some Christians in regard to service. They don't leave a vacancy. Right? But every Christian should leave a vacancy, right? When we're taken from this world, we breathe our last, and we're ushered into the throne room of God, there should be a vacancy, right? 
because of our service to the Lord. So we're all called to serve. But there's this office of service, this office of deacon. And what's the difference between a pastor and a, a deacon? If you look at these qualifications, they're very similar. A pastor, as we said last week, is a shepherd who gives direction. He gives vision, leadership. He teaches the word. A deacon is a one who provides physical, or takes care of physical needs of the church. We said earlier, even in our small group time, that oftentimes deacons, because the qualifications are so similar, deacons, you'll see a lot of times, will become pastors. And it's not, oh, this is the, a stepping stone because they're completely different offices. But that because the qualifications are so similar, oftentimes those who serve, they sometimes will become pastors. Both a, both a pastor and a deacon, they have good character. Their fidelity is a must. Um, they must be good shepherds to their families. But the two offices are different in function and in authority. The pastor is a more authoritative role because it's a teaching role. He's handling the, the, the word of God. He's providing vision for the church where the deacon is a uh, serving role. The shepherd manages and rules over the affairs of the church. So he's a, he's, he manages, he shepherds. Um, and, and think about that as a pastor. We talk a lot about false teaching. We have to correct false teaching. We have to point out error when error is taught because that's dangerous and it can destroy a church. But maybe say that churches can fall apart from mismanagement just as easily as false teaching if a pastor isn't shepherding wisely. But a pastor has authority as a teacher of the word. He serves. He rules the church. In fact, look at chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. You see that word rule, and for, for us, we see that from a worldly perspective, rule has a bad connotation, but that should, that's not the case here. Who leads and shepherds and guides, ministers, that's the picture there. It's not a heavy-handed right leadership. We talked about that last week. But the deacon serves the church by helping with physical needs. They are servants, in fact, the word in the original language is translated servant every time except three here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And there's one time in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, where the office of a deacon is, is dealt with. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. This is the first time we see, uh, first time we're introduced to the the office of a deacon in the church. Acts chapter 6. The church has been born. The Spirit of God has come on the day of Pentecost, and many people were being saved. Believers were sharing their possessions. They had a really sweet fellowship. If you read the first few chapters of Acts, really sweet fellowship after the Spirit of God fell at Pentecost. The believers were given the Spirit of God. They're very benevolent. They're, very, they're taking care of one another. There's a family atmosphere. There's a lot of signs and wonders that accompany the apostles. And then we get to chapter 6. Look at verse 1 through 7. Let's read that together. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Now Hellenists are the Greeks. Their, their widows were being neglected, they thought. 
because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2, And the twelve, this is the disciples, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and, and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. He'll prove that, won't he, when he's stoned. Yeah, he speaks the words of Christ. He's so Christ-like. And Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. So this is an official office. They set these men aside and they laid hands on them. They prayed for them to do a certain work. And what is their work to do? It's to take care of the physical needs so the apostles could do what? They could focus on teaching the word. So the deacons in 2023 do the same. They serve the, the church in such a way that the pastor doesn't have to neglect teaching to take care of physical needs. The deacon's work is to complement the elder's ministry of the word, the elder's ministry of prayer. So the deacon, what does he do? He leads the church in ministry of service to those who are in need. Legan Duncan says this, God invented deacons to be the example of Christ in tangibly and concretely loving and serving the congregation in our midst. So that's what a deacon does. It helps the pastor take care of physical needs in the church. But notice the results of the, their work in verse 7. What happens when deacons deke, they serve, and they take care of physical needs in church? The word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So it's a serving role, taking care of physical needs in the church. There are some misconceptions about deacons, Right? Let's talk about a couple of those. One is deacons run the church. And, and for some of you in your tradition, whatever you grew up in, maybe you had the deacons and they, they ran the church. They made all the decisions. They acted like a pastor in many, many uh, instances. Um, now, at our church, we have deacons in our church. Ronald Kidd, Mike Hartsfield, Bo Gross, Chris Wilkes. That are four, those are our four deacons. Now, what happens, we have small group leaders and me as a pastor, I always I bounce things off of people a lot in leadership, people that have integrity, people that have wisdom, people that love the church. I'll oftentimes um, meet with them and ask them questions and, and bounce things off of them, get feedback. And it just so happens that some of those are deacons. Some of those men are deacons. They serve dual roles. They serve as a deacon. They serve as a small group leader. And they have wear many hats in the church. But for some of you, this misconception, oh, the deacons run the church. They decide, they make the decisions of the church. Another misconception about deacons is that they, they, they serve like a political office, like a governor serves a term. Of, they have a term, right, or a, a representative of some politician. They're fulfilling their term. But a deacon's role is a, is a serving role. It's just serving, taking care of physical needs in the church. Now, we here at our church, because we have deacons who serve, but also they love the church and, uh, there's times where we do lean on them. Hey, what do you think about these? But in our church, it is a, is a serving role. 
Look at verse 8. Let's look at some of these qualifications. Some of these are so similar from last week, we won't belabor some of these. But verse 8, likewise, or in the same way, many of these are um, parallel prerequisites for being a pastor. And notice, just like being a pastor, the qualifications are about character. It's about morality. It's not so much about skill set. It says that they should be, be dignified. Well, some translations will translate that worthy of respect. Yeah. Be dignified. They should be dignified men. They should be respectable. We saw that last week. Not double-tongued. Um, not one who, it, it, there's people who have control of their mouth who doesn't tell one person one thing and another person something different to try to please everybody. Ken Hughes, he had a, a good illustration. He says, a, a deacon's one who's not afraid to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. Not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. A deacon should not be drunk on wine or money. Think about their wine was commonly used as a gesture of hospitality in the home. It's important for a deacon to have self-control there, right? One handling money. And our deacons, they handle money, right? Uh, they need to be honest. Another characteristic, they hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They are solid doctrinally. They can recognize error when they hear it. Oh, that's not right. That's not biblical. A deacon must be a man of conviction regarding the central truths of the, of the faith. And then in addition to sound doctrine, he also must be sound in obedience. They have a clear conscience. How do you, do you live out those principles? It says be tested first. You don't put a man into, into the office of deacon and then test him to see if he's trustworthy. No, you test him first. And then you appoint or ordain him. It's much like the elder qualification. Remember, the elder qualification is you don't, an elder should not be a recent convert. All right? They should be tested. They should prove themselves. The husband of one wife, again, a parallel qualification of a pastor. This is speaking of fidelity, faithfulness to one spouse. They should manage their children and their household well. He needs to be the spiritual leader at home before he can be a, a leader in the church, right? He must shepherd his household well before he can serve in the office of deacon. It's very similar to what we saw last week. Look at verse 11. This verse has confounded many through the years. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And there's, you read the New American Standard, it'll say women instead of their wives. Um, some suggest this is not referring to a deacon's wife, but to a, a woman who helps the deacon care for women. Just think about it. There's men taking care of the needs of the church. There's sometimes where you need to get a woman involved. And if you look in chapter 5, there's a list of women. There's women that went on the widow's list, and they help with the needs of the church, with the women. There's a need for that. So some would, would see this not as maybe being the deacon's wife, but being a woman who is helping the deacon with issues in the church concerning women. Others hold the view that this is referring to a separate office uh, for a deaconess, for a, a woman deacon. An example would be given a, a Phoebe, Romans 16, 1. Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, and she's probably the one who delivered the, the letter to the Roman church, a servant of the church in, in Sincrea. Our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church, the same word used translated deacon, but here it's translated servant. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea of recognizing women servants, 
but um, and I wouldn't land too firmly on uh, opposing that view, but I'm not um, I don't think that's what Paul is doing here. Among other reasons, it'd be odd for Paul to begin by discussing male deacons, verses 8 through 10, then shift to a female deacon in verse 11, and finally return to male deacons with his emphasis on their being commendable husbands and fathers in verse 12. I just think it's an odd reading. I don't think that's the natural reading of the, the text. The nat- most natural reading seems to be that because of the public nature of the deacon ministry, wives of the deacons must be especially careful, right, with the things they say. Uh, ex- exhibiting good judgment, right, and helping him in the work of the ministry. Uh, or possibly it could be referring to women who help the deacons. They're n- not necessarily his wives, but they're women in the church. And I, I, I call on women in the church often, right? Jenny and Jenny's uh, doesn't have the time, then I call on women in the church who are godly, faithful women. Hey, can you help me with this issue? Right? Hey, can you meet with so-and-so? Hey, can you give so-and-so a call? Hey, can you check with this and take care of that? Yeah, and that could be the case here. This is not necessarily an office of deacon, a formal office, but it's women who are helping the deacon. So I, I believe that that could be true. And I could see that having the office of a deaconess um, being helpful in the church, but I can't say with much conviction that this verse is proposing that, but I could be corrected. I think we land softly there. But all of those things are okay, all right? Look at verse 13. Deacons who serve well will be rewarded. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. One who serves faithfully and as a deacon in the church, they're going to be respected in the church, right? There's honor there in being faithful to that office, but you'll also be honored by the Lord. What's a deacon do? He puts others before himself. Jesus said in the parable, the workers of the vineyard, the last will be first and the first last. So I think there's a respectability and honor that comes when you have a man who continually puts the church, church's interests above his own. Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And that's what a deacon role is, right? You're not attaining this power. It's not a power grab. Hey, I want to be a deacon in the church so I can make decisions in the church. No, it's a servant role. It's a humble role. It's a oftentimes behind-the-scenes role. And I think churches over the years have elevated the office of deacon to be an authoritative-only role. And there's some authority that comes with that when the pastor leans on you. Hey, what do you think about this? Let me run this by you and get your counsel on this. But when you have a a deacon in an authoritative only role, you know, they, they run the church, but they don't serve the church. That happens, unfortunately. And that's not true of ours. I'm thankful for that. We have men who are dignified, who self-controlled, shepherd their families well. They continually put others before themselves by serving the church. What, what happens? There, there's an esteem there. They're thought well of. They're honored, and the result um, is some level of authority, right? Not a heavy-handed authority, but just because they're respectable, and we, we look up to people like that, right? So application, what do we do here with this text? Well, I think we'd be thankful for our deacons, and their service, 
right? I'm thankful for Bo Gross. I'm thankful for Mike Hartsfield, Ronald Kidd, Chris Wilkes. Uh, it, it very seldom does, does a week go by they're, they're not saying, hey, Pastor, what can I do? What needs to be done? And there's, there's things coming up all the time. And, and, of course, Morgan and I, we're here, right? If you're not, Morgan is our pastoral intern. He works here at the church. And there's things that happen physically all the time. And, um, and they're continually asking, hey, what can I do? Hey, I'll take care of that. Hey, I'll come by, you know. And what happens is because we're here during the day, it's, we, we, it's easier for us to take care of a lot of those things. But sometimes your schedule gets crowded, right? Like, hey, you mind taking care of these things and checking in with this person and doing that? And they do those things, and it frees us up to, to, to prepare and teach and do those things that we – so be thankful. Um, and also, I think, uh, ask the Lord to raise up others to serve in that role. And um, we have several men in our church that meet these qualifications who uh, will begin the process in the near future of making them – uh, deacons in our church. And I think secondly, strive to meet the qualifications the Lord sees as fitting of a servant in the church. These are qualifications we all should desire, right? To be, whether you're a man or a woman, you're a student, you're an adult. Yeah, well, these are qualifications the Lord sees as fitting, I think, anybody in the church. But I think this is, um, deacons are helpful and it's a, uh, need in the church and I'm thankful for ours so let's be prayerful let's be thankful